Avi on Money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM at 7 minutes past 12. And as promised a few weeks ago, we have part two of the sequel with Nola Ray, the book Money Wit. Uh, Nola is with us in studio. Nolia, welcome back to High FM. Thank you very much, and congratulations on your new studio. And I was about to say, welcome to our new studios. It still looks like it's a work in progress, but as we met Kathy outside, it's it's ours. Yes. This is definitely a High FM area in the Biyachad building. Thank you for ev- to everybody who put it together, who made it happen. It's really, really nice to be part of something that you can identify as yours. Definitely. Great. So it's great to have you back. Thank you. Nola, just to recap, we had you in the studio a few weeks ago, and really it was to have a quick chat about your book, Money Wit, Becoming Financially Savvy, and uh, we got through two or three chapters, and then I realized we weren't going to run through the book because every chapter is a story on its own, and I think it deserves a little bit more time to go through each one. So what I've done this time, now that I had <laughs> about three weeks to go through the book, is I've been through the rest. Right. And the first thing that struck me is it's so easy to read, and it's also not snotty. What I mean by that is not condescending. It's not dictating. It's really the way you and I would have a conversation, maybe with somebody who's really unsophisticated with money, and they come to us and say, look, I've got a PhD in education, but I never seem to have money at the end of the day. I yeah. don't know how to save. I don't know what the investing is. And this book really demystifies it and makes it a lot easier. So let's jump straight into it. Let's go to to chapter three, which is budgeting. Yes. The one thing that I loved about what you did there is you broke the budget up into essentials yes. and non-essentials. Yes. So there's certain things that one needs to have. What we did also last time is the show, we were very cruel in the sense we were very realistic and very practical. And, you know, if you take the cost of medical aid and the school fees and uh, you can't come out, let's put that aside for the moment. And let's just talk with somebody where the budget does balance. What are the essential things that people need have on on a daily, monthly basis, what are the nice-to-haves and what are the luxuries? Okay. So the reason why I broke it up like that is because I think it's so important to know what money you have available at the end of the month and also to see where your money is going. So part of your must-have or those essentials would be things like rent, be it transportation or petrol or car, your groceries, you've got children's education, we've got our cell phones. It's things that we need to survive and also that help us and equip us to fulfill our job roles because often what happens is we're going to work we spend all our money and then we say we haven't got enough to either go back into work or there's a problem with the rent and it starts causing stress in your work environment now work is the source of your income so you need to protect that as well so to plan your money is important so when you look at your must-have expenses those are the things that you need to pay every month in order to survive Um, the optionals are called those things that you could live without but that you don't necessarily want to cut out of your budget. So things like going out with your friends, so your entertainment budget that you give yourself every month or for clothes and so on. If I don't buy a new top every month, my life won't end and I'll still be able to go to work. If I don't see my friends every weekend, I can make another plan as well. We don't have to meet at a pub. We don't have to meet at a restaurant. We could get together at home. So it's about how you work with your money. Um, you know, they always say it's not how much you earn, but it's what you do with your money. So when you start your budget and you look at your must-haves, you need to see what amount of your money is committed 
to you surviving every month. And then also make sure that your must-haves don't take up all of your salary because then you've got to reevaluate things. So when you go to rent a place or even to buy a place or to look for a car, don't spend so much money that you're left with nothing at the end of the month to enjoy. You work very hard every day and to never ever have that little bit of relief where you're mixing with your friends or you're able to spoil yourself with a little something becomes very difficult to continue that. But those essentials are what we have to plan for every month. You can't go to your landlord or phone the bank and say, listen, I bought a really nice top or a good pair of shoes, so I can't pay you this month. Unfortunately, that's going to have a negative impact and also cause you unnecessary stress because that phone call will come through to say you're late, you need to pay and that kind of thing. So budgeting to me, the reason why I believe it's a starting point of managing your money is you see where your money is going. Often we pay bills, but we don't see what we're spending our money on. So some of us have clothing accounts and credit cards and you settle that every month but when you actually put it down in a budget and you start going this is what I'm paying in total just for clothes every month or just on my credit card and entertainment it puts it into perspective and that's when it also comes to the point of can I save and everybody goes I've got no money at the end of the month do you know where your money is going and where can you make a plan to actually start putting money aside towards that saving it's often scary when people um, put their budget onto Excel for the first time. Yes. And they, they do it nicely and they break it up and then they hit that calculate button and all those columns get added up. They look at it and they say, like, and then, you know, you look at them and say, but what did you expect? They said, well, we, we didn't really know. We just know we never had, but we didn't know how it was being broken down. And the bottom line is what I can say about chapter three in your book is the one word is guts when it comes to budgeting. Yes. You have to take that leap because living with your head in the sand, all that's going to happen is ultimately someone's going to stand on it. Definitely. And then you won't be able to pull it out. No. And and you know what? It's actually quite empowering when you take charge of your budget because then you know what you're doing. So it is scary. And look, I've budgeted. So um, I'm also speaking from experience. I've budgeted all my life. And budgets are not always a pretty picture, but they're a real picture. And that you can deal with. Head in the sand, you don't know what's going on. And as you say, at some point, somebody will stand on you. So rather know what's going on, and then you can make a plan and decide what to do. And then if the month is a bit tight, you know how to handle it. You're not going to get that surprise. That's why I compare it to a navigation system. And what I always find surprising is we spend time planning so many things, going out with friends, what we're going to wear in the morning, but planning your money for the month, it's not going to take you hours. If you spend an hour every month at the beginning of the month just checking your budget and planning ahead, it's definitely going to reward you in the long run. And you actually only have to do the hard work once. You just cut and paste it every month and go from there. And what you'll be surprised about is that Oh, that went from 170 to 196. That went from 2,900 to 3,200. Had I not checked it, I would never have known. Exactly right. And then it would have gone, you know, I could have missed two increases. And yes. then oh, this is crazy. No, it's not crazy. You missed the interim increase. The, the, the beauty about it is that one really has to be, have to be aware and know what going, what, what's going on. But what I want to emphasize is that it's a lot simpler for people um, for example, who use the Khao train rather yes. than those who use taxis. Yes. Because if you're using the Khao train, what you do is that you buy your card once a month. That's right. So at the beginning of the month, you load it and it's done. It must be incredibly challenging for people who are using taxis because you know what it's going to cost you, but you need to put the money aside. Yes. Now it comes the 20th and you're looking at it, it's there. Yes. But th- 
you know, there's also need A, B, C, W, and F. Yes. What are you going to do? Whereas if it's, if it's in your card, it's in your card. It's not cash. It's already been. I remember many, many years ago, I had a colleague who was an older person, um, and I haven't spoken to him for many, many years, but they did a budget with envelopes. I remember thinking, like, bad luck, this is antiquated. But it absolutely worked. Mm-hmm. And they had, they put in, in envelopes. And I remember once him saying to his wife, you want it, sure. But just which envelope are you going to take it yes. out of? And she looked at him, says, okay, I understand. You know, yes. In other words, not that there was lack of consensus. No. But I appreciate that we don't have more. Yes. What here, what there is here is allocated. And, and what do you, what do you swap out? And correct. I think the important thing is as well is that a budget must work for you. And I had somebody the other day as well who said to me she was given different options on how to plan spending for the month. And I think you've got to do what works for you. The first thing I think that is important is to see where your money is going. But then if you want to use envelopes, if you want to put it into a card, if you want to put it into a special different account that you don't easily have access to, do what works for you. Once you start getting into the habit, your disciplines start changing. And it's about choice. Somebody said to me, how do you force people to save? Or how do you force people? I can't force anybody to do anything. But what we can do is make conscious decisions to make better financial decisions in our lives. And once we start taking ownership of the management of our money and where it's going, it opens up the door to so much more. Um, the next chapter we're going to go into is saving and investing. But let's yeah. just stay with budgeting. Saving or investing, let's use them as, as interchangeable yes. terms for this particular um, point. Yes. Is that a nice to have or is that a necessity? I think it's a necessity. I think what happens is that if we're given the choice, it's like when you speak about with, um, traveling by taxi and you see the money is available. If I believe that if you make your savings a debit order on your account, because that little click to transfer to your savings account is when all the other things come up. Um, you get these emails that say payday special 40% off, 25% off, or my best is they send these emails with a clock countdown. And something triggers in our head that if you don't go online now and buy, you can't save. Never mind that you don't need it. It's just this kind of trigger. If you put that debit order, make it part of your must-have expenses. Put it aside because you can live without it. Something that I found interesting, I've got my budgets for numerous years on in different workbooks. And when you look back and you see what you were able to live on, I'm still here today. I'm still fine. There's no emotional scarring. It's choices that we make. And, you know, as they say, expenditure rises to meet income. So your savings should be something that you put on a debit order. You don't see it. It's not an option to spend and put it away. It's very easy to do if you discipline yourself. It's all about having the right set of rules and um I suppose, guidelines in place and then just following them on a monthly basis. Definitely. And it's not about the amount. Start creating the habit. So with savings, often people think if they can't start saving with large amounts, they can't save. And I don't agree with that. I think that what you've got to do is start with whatever you can afford, even if it's 20 rand a week. After four weeks, it's 80 rand. Go and put that in the bank. You lived without it, match it up next month. And then challenge yourself to see how much more, be it change, be it five rand coins, just or cutting out certain coffees that you buy. 
you know, it's very easy to swipe plastic. We go in, we get ourselves a cappuccino, and then you see a muffin, and then, oh, that, do that every day and add that up, and then see if you can survive without it. And I guarantee you, you can. But the benefits of saving a lot of that money is going to be far more rewarding than just that muffin and cappuccino every now and then. So I, I love to agree with my guests all the time, but what I want to bring in just after the show is the Robert Kiyosaki spin on that, where he says that cappuccino is crucial. Buy it, but go out and save and earn elsewhere so that you have the balance in life. Yes. But let's just discuss it when we come back. We'll be back in a moment. Avi on money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9. I have no, no, what we're discussing in the break is that, yes, don't deprive yourself of yes. your cappuccino. But what Robert Kiyosaki says is that have it within moderation yes. so that you don't say, oh, I would have spent 25 rand. Let's borrow it away. Spend the 25 rand if you can afford it. Yes. But make sure that you're doing something to earn that money at the same time. And I agree with that. I think the, the biggest mistake we sometimes make is to try and create that sense of depriving. In other words, don't spend your money on yourself. Save it for one day. And there's got to be a balance because what drives you to achieve more? If you never enjoy any fruits from the labors that you're putting in, how do you benefit and drive yourself forward? So cappuccinos, I love my cappuccinos. But instead of having every day, I maybe have three times a week. And it's just that conscious decision to say I'm not depriving, but I also don't need to overdo it. Everything in moderation is good for you. So if you have that in moderation, you're still enjoying yourself, but you are. And it is true what Robert Kiyosaki said. Find other ways to generate that kind of income so that we're working in a, a mindset of creating money and wealth for ourselves in ways that work for us as opposed to just taking the money and flushing it away. Just a, a, as an aside, on the coffee side, I, I went through the stage where I would stop and I would buy. And, and I like to support the, the, the shop owners in the area. Yes. And still I, was, I remember when the price got to 25 Rand, I said, look, I can no longer justify. I'm not saying it's not worth it yes. and what the input cost is, but I can't justify it. And I went and we did some research to set up a, a little coffee bar at home, a little bit of capital outlay. And now everybody can buy the pods that they like yes. and that they prefer. And what 10 days worth of cappuccino cost, I get more value out of a whole month at home. So it's maybe just about thinking a little bit differently. I, I'm smiling because we've done exactly the same. We did a setup at home. We used to on weekends. Saturdays and Sundays was our favorite to get a cappuccino. And we did exactly the same thing. And from a value perspective, we did the calculations. And it is still supporting the businesses around. It's not cutting it out. But we did create that sense of value where now we spent the money on our own little home center and just as good. Absolutely. Right. Let's go on. The next chapter is savings and investments. And I, and I can see if I don't stop talking too much, we're going to run out of time again. One thing I loved about this um, chapter that you did is that on page 40, you've got a list of saving 500 rand a month. So yes. if I can just try to describe it yes. to our listeners, it's a one, two, three, four, five column spreadsheet and on the, on the extreme left is the month then it's the capital then it's the monthly contribution then the interest that's earned and then the total um, and really what it is it's showing you that with small increments of 500 rand with a fixed interest rate that you're earning yes. how much you actually start to gain and then it's not only the spreadsheet but you've gone down and broken it down and the bottom line is that you spent 30,000 rand, but you made 5,913 rand 
for saving yes. 30,000 rand. Now, all of a sudden, if you put that one next to the other, first of all, it's more than 10%. Yes. Which, how do you do that? Bottom line, that's compounding. That's right. And it ties in very nicely what you were saying before is people often say to me, I went to speak to this financial consultant or I went to the bank and if I don't have a thousand rand a month or X amount a month, then I can't do that. And not only that, they put the fear of God in me that if I, God forbid, default on month 16, yes. then all hell's going to break loose and I'm going to go to damnation forever and <laughs> da 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 da. And I look at them and I say, do, do you have a money market account in the bank? I said, yeah, I actually do. It's linked to my current account. So why don't you just go on to internet banking every month? I mean, once, yes. just set a transfer. You could pay it on the 25th, yes. do it on the 26th or 27th. Maybe do it on the 1st so it's safe. And just transfer 500 bucks. Absolutely. You'll be surprised what you will save. Yes. Once it's saved, what's the definition of saving? There's very little risk mm-hmm. and there's a guaranteed or almost a known return. Yes. Then you can go to those fancy people and say, where, 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 where? Now I've got this money. What are you going to offer me? Can you do better than I've done? Exactly. And then all of a sudden you've become empowered. Yes. You've become educated. Yes. And yet the whole thing has become demystified. And that person that was very scary two years ago is no longer so scary. In fact, they're a little bit foolish. Yes, because now you've also got that knowledge. And that's why I say knowledge is the most powerful tool. Because once you see that, and it's a sense of reward, that saving that you put aside, as you see that interest growing and growing, it's money for saving. You're actually getting paid for doing something that's going to benefit you. And a lot of people do put fear into your head when you go to save or to apply for something. This they should rather drive it's a reward system. You're rewarding yourself and yet then you have you've got this lump sum that you can then do something else with. And all for an effort of doing a monthly transfer. And I used the 500 rand and then went on to that five-year, 10-year benefit. And I didn't even put increments on the, f- uh, the 500 rand. Correct. Just to show that if you just kept it at that, and if you think about it, 500 rand today, and in 10 years' time, that 500 rand is even so much more affordable. If you start increasing it, the benefits just grow and grow. And with that, you can then make further decisions as well. But you know what the benefits are. You know, being in this industry, um, in investments and, and giving advice and that, I once had a massive shock many years ago. There was a, an old lady that I looked after for many years, and I went there every week, and we paid all the bills. It was a very hands-on sort of management. But she then passed away, and her daughter sort of tidied up the affairs, and I met with them every year and just to look at it. And what I was shocked about is how they were using savings accounts. And they were also older people now, so there was a better rate that they could get. And just the risk-free rate that they were getting, how every time you looked at it, the money just seemed to mushroom. Yes. And all it was was interest being applied to it without this fear of what's happening in the markets, what's going on, are they up, down, which politicians said what, is Brexit happening, isn't it happening? It just comes automatically. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And it's something anybody can do. It's, there's no minimum requirement. As you said, if somebody's got a market link account linked to their current account, it's just about doing that transfer every month. It's as simple as that. There's no big forms that need to be filled in. And, and it is. It's kind of a peaceful investment. You know that there will be growth and your capital is protected. But why do we then go to investing opposed to a saving? If you've just you know, sung the merits of it, why are we going to go to investing? Well, investing 
of course, comes with more risk, and with risk comes reward. So the higher the risk options, the higher reward. So some people prefer to invest, and it's, again, based on the advice that you get, but the returns can be bigger. So people look at investing as options where over the longer term, in many instances, they're hoping to gain higher rewards than they would from just the compound interest. And also the truth is that once you look at what we call the real return, yes. in other words, yes, over 10 years you might have made 5,930. But you've got inflation. And but has inflation. Yes. You've now got 30, this is called the 36,000 rand. Yes. Is the buying power of that mm. the same as what you could have bought with the 30,000 rand five years ago? Absolutely. And investing almost guarantees you that you will beat inflation if you take on enough risk and you have enough time. Yes. And time, I think, is critical because I think what happens as well is people often tell those stories of that great share deal that they did. You know, and I made millions. And I know this guy. Everybody knows a guy who's made a fortune. No, their friend knows a guy. Oh, their friend. Exactly. And you never know the full story. And they sometimes encourage you to do things like that without getting the right advice and the right guidance. And investment is about time. You can't, I, I mean, you would know better than me, but I don't believe that you can have that overnight success. There's the one-off chance of that happening, but in general, investment is something that over time is going to give you that growth. As you says, it takes into account beating inflation and giving you the same buying power in the future, but you need to follow the right advice when you do that and ask the right questions to make sure that what you're doing, you're comfortable with and you understand what the risks but also what the benefits are going to be in the long term there are many many people listening to us right now and saying yeah my investments have been flat for nearly two years yes um i pay fees every month to three people to the fund manager to the investment house and to the broker everybody's getting paid but i'm getting poorer and all they tell me is i must just fuss bait i must just wait it's gonna how long do I have to wait for this thing to turn? And certain in instances, it hasn't been two years. It's been three, maybe even four years yes. where you've got a very moot return. And yet when they show you what the fund has done, it's this glistening figure like, wow. Okay, well, then if I relate it to my investment, why is it not coming through? So those are the hard questions one needs to ask. And if your investment term is only five years, as long as you're going to retire or you're drawing an income. Yes. One just needs to be very careful with they with where they investment. But no, we still got five chapters to get through. So I just want to check. You've got a thing at the back of this chapter about investing with a broker, yes. investing without a broker. What are the pros and cons of each? And the reason why I put in two is, I, as, as you mentioned in the beginning, the, the purpose of this book is not to be prescriptive. So I wanted people to know that they have got options. To me, I believe that when it comes to things like money and investing, I think it's always best to speak to a professional because that's what they do. That's the core. So they understand the markets. They can give you better advice. Um, if you do do it personally, you can go online. There's people, um, the investment houses, there's the Ashburtons and um, Prudentials and those guys where you can go online and invest. But to me, you still need professional advice. There's so many of these options where you can learn to be a broker online. You see them all the time. These ads pay 3,000 Rand for a course and you too can invest your money or foreign currencies and all the rest. It's not what you do every day. You don't know how to watch the markets. You don't know what to see. You don't know what the trends are. And if you take that risk on, 
I think it's not just the cost of your training that you stand to potentially lose, but it's also your investment. Because while you're doing your nine-to-five job, the markets are turning and you're not watching it. So to me, I always believe that speak to a professional and what I try to encourage is asking questions. Understand exactly where your money is going. It is your money. So I ask them what the fund is about, what the performance of the track record of the fund is. And like you said now, we're going through a bit of a lull stage at the moment. And in history, you see in the economies, we've got these highs and lows, there's lulls. That's why investment is about time. So we, as you said, if somebody's needing to retire or draw an income, get the right kind of advice, but also explain your situation. I think many times people are not as honest as they should be. And if you're not honest, you can't expect the best results. So be honest with whoever you speak to and be comfortable because they're looking after your money. So I think that's very important as well. Fair enough. And also I think maybe to be realistic that the the market is a living organism in the sense that Definitely. it moves, it changes, it morphs, it grows, it shrinks. Yes. And, you know, one needs to sit it out. Absolutely. But moving swiftly along, yes. let's move on to now we're sort of changing gear. We're yes. going to credit, good credit, bad credit. You know, just a just a bit of a background uh, again from Robert Kiyosaki because that's one of his pet things. There's good credit and there's bad credit. But I'll never forget I was in high school once and a friend of mine, who um, obviously understood these things better than I did at that that stage, explained to me how credit works. So I said, okay, well, what's going on? He says, well, in those days, Joshua Door was the place. Yes. So he says, this couple walks into Joshua Door and they want to buy a lounge suite. And it's 10,000 rand. And they've got the money in their pocket, all neat, crisp notes. And the salesman sees this couple walking through the door. And he walks over to them. And all of a sudden, they have a need not only to buy a lounge suite, but they need to change the bed, their bedroom suite and their lawnmower and their washing machine. But he explains to them, keep the 10,000. Keep it in your pocket. If you just give us 1,000 rand a month, that's all. You can have all these things. And they look at each other and say, that is a bargain. Mm. And they sign the paperwork and they're driving home and they look at each other and they both have this epiphany. Yes. That they've spent 12,000 Rand in year one, yes. 24,000 Rand by the time in year two. And they look at each other and say, What the hell have we done? We've yes. signed a five year contract. We're going to spend five times, ten yes. times more than we need. We've got stuff we don't need. Yes. And we've got stuff that we, that we actually can't afford. Yes. And that's the bad credit is what happens is people get caught up in this what it costs per month. And what I'm trying to encourage, and I put it in the book, and I tell people when I speak to them, please calculate what it's going to cost you before you sign any papers or make any final decision. It's not about what the monthly repayment is. It's about what it's going to cost you over the term of the contract. Because we do get caught up in the affordability of, oh, for a thousand rand a month, I'm going to f be able to redo five rooms in the house. Then when you actually work it out, I worked out a little sum on a, uh, private, um, on a loan from not one of the bigger financial institutions. And it was a loan of 50,000 rand over a period of six years. And what happens is people become desperate. Then they get caught up in this low, when you hear low monthly repayment but longer term, rather just pack up your stuff and run. Because this loan over six years, you pay back 137,000 rand. The loan times. costs you 87,000 rand. You can't tell me that you would consciously make that decision and go, this is the best possible deal for me. And what happens is we don't ever just, I mean, we've all got, majority of us have smartphones. There's calculators on every device that we have. Quickly work it out and go, yes, it's good for me. Credit 
you need good credit because you need to have a credit history for when you want to go and buy a house or when you want to buy a car or even rent. Bad credit is when we're buying things that we don't need and with money that we don't actually have. If you can't afford it, it doesn't mean you must take a longer payment plan so that you can afford it. Rather wait or buy something smaller. Things It's about choices that we make, and we too often try to live up to the expectations of what we believe other people should see instead of living up to the expectations and the means with, what it, with which in we should be living. And I think that's where often people make bad decisions. Now, to me, the classic good debt, bad debt scenario is when people buy their cars and they turn around and say, you know what, if I had gone to this bank, I would have paid eight grand a month. But you know what I did? I just accessed my, bo- accessed my bond. Oh, it's costing yes. me three and a half thousand. And over 20 years. I'm a flipping genius. I've saved myself 5,000 rand a month. And I just look at them and my stomach cringes. And yes. part of me says, I don't have the heart to tell you what you've just done. And, you know, if a person says to me, look, this is the only way. I needed a new car. Yes. This is the only way I could. And I know that the bank showed me that this 300,000 rand car actually is going to cost me over the next 14 years is going to cost me 900,000. That's the bitter pill I, pill I have to yes. swallow. But when they're doing it with glee, yes. without realizing, you almost feel like, where did you knock your head? Absolutely. And I think sometimes we need to understand life happens and we have to make decisions that are not necessarily the right ones, but they ones that we have to make in order to survive. But as long as we know the decision, as you said, if the bank explains this is what the car is going to cost you, and you go, I know, but I don't have a choice. And you try and maybe make it up as time goes. But you're right. People go, it's so much cheaper in my bond. Your bond is over 20 years. You've just taken your car from a four-year repayment plan to a 20-year repayment plan. And you think you've scored. I know it, it is a very short-sighted thing, and it's because nobody ever ever calculates what the total cost over the term is. They'd rather just look at monthly. I'm not trying to justify it, but I had a colleague many years ago who bought a Toyota Prado like that. And I looked at her and I said, like, why? She says, because of our lifestyle, because of what I want to do with my family, what I want to do with my kids. Very smart lady, understood exactly what she was doing. Yes. And I thought, you know, that's actually clever. Because you've given yourself and the, the lifestyle you, you want to travel and to go. You understand the implications. It was a conscious decision. Yes, you're paying a lot more, but that's all been factored in. Yes. Now, let's quickly go to good debt. Yes. W- what is good debt? Is there such a thing? Well, good debt essentially just means, as I said, we all need a credit history. At some point, you, when you want to buy a property, people want to see what your payment history is like. So banks do a credit check on you. And I think what that is is – Good debt means that you are using a credit facility that isn't costing you too much. You're building up a credit history and you're managing it. So you can afford it. You're keeping up to date with your monthly payments. And something that I also like to encourage is that with the credit bureaus that we have, like a TransUnion and so on, you're able to go and do a free credit check every year to see what you owe in total. Because a lot of times you get caught up during the year, you open up an account here, take a credit card there, and all of a sudden you're paying monthly amounts, but you don't know what you owe in total. So part of good debt is managing what your total exposure is so that you're not sitting in a a situation where your annual salary is 500,000 rand but your debt exposure is 800,000 rand and that's where you start getting into predicaments where affordability becomes a problem. So good debt is debt that is managed and also when you're buying things of value. That's what's really important. Well the the next chapter is buying property so let's get to that quickly because that's good debt and let's introduce that in a minute. We'll be back with you right now. Avi on money. 
12 to 1 p.m. Only on 101.9 Chai FM. Welcome to 101.9 Chai FM. And just to let you know that Nola Ray is still in studio. And Nola, before we go any further, yes. the chart that we're going to come to now on page 65, I hope you're all making notes so that when you get the book, you can go straight to the pages. First of all, once again, how do people get hold of the book? Um, they can contact the get a hold of us on the website, www.moneywit.co.za. Contact us there or order online. Okay, and that's Money WRT. Yes, Money WRT. Great. On page 65 is most probably the most scary chart yes. that anybody will see if they've never seen it before. Yes. Now, it's also one of those charts that can be manipulated so easily if you're just a little bit savvy. So, again, to if I can try, try to describe it, it's got year one to year 20 on the left-hand side. Then it's got the payments for 12 months. In other words, it's the monthly payment amortized over what, what, what times 12. Then it gives you in the third column the interest paid. It gives you on the fourth column the capital paid. And then last column it gives you the capital owing. Yes. So let's have a quick look here. The the property, um, what is the value of the initial property here? It was in the a million. A million rand. So in year one, you're paying 132,000 rand. So it's called roughly 10,000 rand yes. a month. Okay. That is constant all the way through yes. uh, because obviously what they called a fixed rate, it doesn't vary with the interest rates. In the second column, you've got interest paid. Yes. So let's look in year one. You paid 132,000 rand. The interest paid was a hundred and we rounded off hundred and twenty thousand yes. rand. So you roughly paid twelve thousand rand of your capital off. Yes. At the end of year one you still owe the bank nine hundred and eighty seven thousand rand. Let's jump to year five. You still paid hundred and thirty two thousand rand a year. But you paid a little bit less interest, only a hundred and eleven thousand rand. You paid off twenty thousand rand capital, but you still owe the bank nine hundred and seventeen thousand rand. Let's jump to year ten. Let's skip out all the hard parts. You bought for a million rand after 10 years. You still owe the bank 770,000 rand. You've paid off 330,000 rand of a million rand loan at 132,000 rand a year times 10. It's 1.32 million rand. It's crazy. And it hasn't moved. Mm. Then quickly jump to your 15. Yes. You owe the bank 495. You still owe the bank. Half a million, half the money you still owe the bank. And then from there it plummets. Yes, because now you've paid them all their interest for the loan Thank facility. You. Right. So let's now get, you finally pay your Let's capital. get to the juicy part. Yes. How do we screw the banks? So what we do, it's, there's two very simple ways to cut off five years on your bond. Yes. If you pay an extra 10% every month, 10% of your bond repayment, you'll cut your bond down by five years. And you'll save, it's about 480,000 rand in this example, just on interest. And if you make one extra payment a year, and that's where it comes to things like building up a savings or when you get a bonus or some kind of incentive, take one extra bond payment per year and you can cut off five years. And it saves, again, about 450,000 rand in interest. And that's a simple thing. And the banks often have these calculators to show you how you can do that. And it's remarkable how a little bit of effort and think of the benefit. So if I on 10,000 rand, if I pay 10,000 rand extra a year for 15 years, it's 150,000 rand and I've saved 450. I'm not going to get that return very easily. Absolutely. But let's make it more palatable. Yes. I've taken your example, 132,130. Yes. Divided by 12 is it 11,000 yes. rand a month. 10% on that is another 1,000 rand. Yes. Or 1,100. Yes. So call it 12 grand, round yes. it off. 
by putting that in of knocking a bond from 20 years to 15. Yes. What I then could do is as the month rolls by, and I see I've got a little bit of extra here, especially if you're a business person and you've got cash flow that waxes and wanes, just chuck it in. Absolutely. Even if it's 200 rand, even if it's 300 rand. And what's interesting, you won't see the effect immediately. But you might not see it in a month or two because, in fact, your interest portion might go up for some funny reason. But somehow it comes out in the wash. Yes. And once you've locked in that lower capital amount, yes. then the interest is always going to be lower. Absolutely. The minute you start paying off more interest, your uh, capital, your interest is going to reduce. And that's an amazing thing. And you're right. Your bond is a great facility to put money in that is spare. And as you say, people with their own businesses and cash flows and so on, knock that off. It's a very easy way without too much effort to actually get that interest brought down. And that way your house gets paid off a lot sooner. No, no. What I just want to quickly separate is um, the difference between your own residential property and investment properties. Your own residential property often isn't an asset mm-hmm. because when you retire or when you move, you're being going to go from a, a home of a particular class and quality to something similar. It might be in the, at the coast. It might be smaller, but the price will be very similar. Yes. So don't think it's an asset. Also, you say, well, my house is worth 10 million rand and I don't have a bond. But if you're living in it, what you're going to do? Take a brick from the porch and go to pick and pay and say, please, can I have a loaf of bread? Not going to happen. No. It's not generating income. It's not an asset. That's as right. far as you're concerned, for, it's a balance sheet item, yes. but it's not necessarily an asset. No. On your investment properties, yes. there I would speak to one's accountant very carefully because the interest portion of those bonds are tax deductible. Tra- exactly. And so you, it might be in your interest not to act about. Yeah, absolutely. And um it's definitely worthwhile speaking to your tax advisor because there are very smart ways of making your investment property work for you. Um, we won't mention all the ways, but your tax advisor will have a very smart way because the interest there doesn't benefit you because you claim it back as a deduction against your rental income. And once you've got that investment property, you write that's your asset. In the book, I mentioned that buying a house is an investment. And the reason why I called it that is because it's about long term. Too often people think that they can buy a property two years later, quickly sell it. It doesn't work like that. The costs, just think of the transfer costs that you've had to pay and all the lawyer's fees and so on. Don't buy a house unless that's your game. Unless that's what you do as a business, don't think that I can buy and swap out every two to three years. It's going to catch up and it's going to cost you. And people need to look at, again, all the costs involved. Thank you. And you've got three costs there. You've got transfer duty, you've got bond registration costs, and you've got conveyances fees. Yes. And that can come big money. Just the last word on this is that borrowing money from the bank to buy your home often is a blessing that people – And a privilege people don't realize. Think about it. People are lending you two, three, five million rand on the hope that you're going to pay them every month. Yes, they've got the asset as collateral. Mm -hmm. But no one wants to go through that process of taking it. Because it's a lose-lose scenario often. Unless, unfortunately, it's the last two, three years and you default and the bank's made a fortune on you already. But you think about it. 
the average person, in fact, I would go as far as to say most people that you ever come across in your life could never afford to live in the home that they live in if it wasn't from the bank lending them the money. I completely agree with you. And that's why I wanted to bring the reality to people is that, yes, the interest is high, but in fact, it's a long term and it's a huge amount. You can't just walk in and say, can I have a million or two million rand? I want to go buy a house. And somebody says, sure, he has the money. The bank is also a business and they need to run. And you're right. It is a blessing because it gives us an opportunity to also have something that we live in that we enjoy as well. You know, we we got one month before we go to the break, and I'm going to take a bit of a, a liberty here. Um, I'm I'm a very careful, cautious person when it comes to my own sort of stuff, and I went through incredible exercise to buy a new car, simply with the way my business runs, the way it's structured, the the way things are deducted for tax, what has what hasn't been. And as I was mentioned to you, I, I bought a vehicle, and I went through to the dealership, and it was the most incredibly professional experience. The sales side was just phenomenal, not heavy. They really fought for me to get the best rate, and, and I just kept fighting yes. for the best rate. But when I sat down with the financial lady, she didn't really know who I was or what I did, and she treated me like she would treat anybody else. And it was in black and white what the purchase price was, what the interest portion was, how much I'm paying every month, the difference between a fixed and a variable rate, and how that will have respect. Then the, the basic question, sir, do you have insurance? I see. But your insurance doesn't cover the full amount because of the way your finance is structured. Yes. This is what we should put in place. And I walked out of there feeling so secure, yes. so well taken care of. There was no like just sign, 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 sign. No. And it did get to the point where she said to me, okay, now just you just need a sign. Yes. But I'd been through everything. And what I loved about it, there was a whole lot of gums that was cut and paste. But when I read through it, it was all relevant to me. And it was really well done. So that's a, just a big shout out to East Wildwood Bank for just a phenomenal process. Well, Craig, sorry I'm a bit late. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back with you in a moment. Avi on money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9 High FM. Now, that we've been through the whole thing. We could sit and have this discussion ad infinitum. Yes. But the second last chapter of your book is something that everybody wishes for, and it's called What to Do with Extra Cash. Yes. So I think we've just excluded, unfortunately, most of us. But <laughs> if you do find yourself in that position, what's it, what's the chapter all about? The chapter is all about that time when you get a bonus, when you get some people are on commission based earnings and some months they do really well and they get a whole lot of extra commission. Or sometimes it's even just part of your um, annual increase that you get. And what I'm saying there is when that happens. First of all, reward yourself because you've worked hard. So you've done well to earn your bonus. You've worked hard to close the deals to get that big commission check. All your increases come through. But look at what you do with the money. So don't just look at short-term gratification. Look at the long-term benefit you can gain. So if it's your bonus, take a portion, go and spoil yourself. But then what you need to do is take some of it, put it into your bond. We've spoken about how much you can save on interest. Go and put some into a savings account or start paying off one of your debts that are becoming a little bit of a noose around your neck. So what happens is with that money that you've worked so hard for, it starts creating long-term benefit for you as opposed to that short-term and short term is very tricky because we're all tempted by it. I did that with my first bonus. I went and bought a whole new sound system. Very proud the day that I bought it and very sad the next day when I had no more money left to spend. <laughs> so we learn by our mistakes. But it is, I still do believe that you need to give something to yourself. 
to say thank you for my own hard work, but then see what else you can do with it. So it's just about, again, sitting down and making choices about not just what's happening now, but what you can do with it in the long term as well. No, no, we, we're out of time, unfortunately, once again. What I'd like to maybe add on or, or just to mention as a parting shot is something that I see time and time again in my practice is that life is difficult for most people. Yes. Um, people wake up, people go to sleep just thinking how they're going to put two and two together to just to, to get through the month to provide. But if one doesn't look after one's health, yes. All you're doing is playing Russian roulette on an ongoing basis. Agreed. And there are, I, I just want to mention the avoidable things. Don't smoke. Just, yeah. just don't touch the stuff. And don't give me different stories. It's only a pipe. It's only vaping. Just if, it, if it's not food and drink, don't <laughs> put it in your mouth. <laughs> Number two is be careful with what you eat. It's the choices that we make, both from a financial point of view. Work out how much that burger or that steers or the pizza yes. costs every day as opposed to putting it in your budget and buying that, that cold meat, buying those tins of tuna and making it. When you make your kids lunch, make yourself exactly. lunch. I often say if I can walk through my office with a lunch tin, then everybody else can do it. Absolutely. Guys, you know, so that's a, and the third thing is make choices when it comes to activity. Yes. We live in a beautiful country with beautiful environment. Thanks to the security we all have, in particular in this area over here, even in winter, a jersey, a scarf, and gloves, and you can go for a walk. Yes. Rather than doing what we all want to do, just collapse in front of the TV or just just vegetate or just leave me alone. I'm in my man cave or I'm, I'm busy with my book. Go for that walk. I agree. That will just give you the energy. The, 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 your, it will re-energize your, your body so that your mind can function properly. Absolutely. And you'll add yours on at the end. And your health is key. It doesn't matter how much money you have. If you don't have health, there's very little you can do with it. So you have to primarily look after yourself, and then from the rest of that you can benefit. No, no we've just been given the finger, yes. which means we need to wrap up once again. This is the second show we've run out of time with. I'm looking at the SMSs. Absolutely overwhelming because – this is basic stuff. So everybody, please, the book's called Money Wit. It's Money, W-R-T. The lady is Nola Ray, R-A-E. Please go online, have a look at it. Email me, go to my Facebook page, ask us how to get it, and get your hands on the book. It's very easy. It's not a massive book. It's one of those things that you actually just want to keep close by. Yes. And when the dark cloud does arrive and you think there's no help, just open it. It's there. Nola, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Great, Craig. Thanks so much. Have Thank a good you. day.